Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm once again joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how goes? It's going good, Henry. Today's a good day. It's a nice sunny day. Indeed. A nice sunny summer day in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Today is... Wednesday, June 13th, and it is also a good day because we're going to talk about Spider-Man today. That's like the best news ever. (laughs) Yeah, so you and I are huge Spider-Man fans, and um, we talked about this a little recently, but for Free Comic Book Day just last month, we both got Spider-Man tattoos right <laughs> yeah yeah through the uh the awesome promotion from cape and cowl comics and sacred tattoo both in oakland california we uh, donated food items to the alameda the alameda county food bank and got us some spider-man tattoos right yeah <laughs> and uh, i will say that uh i have a spider-man tattoo now but you perfirio now have two spider-man tattoos right it's my second one (laughs) awesome uh so the first one you also did through this same promotion right um, last year's um selection that i chose the other spider-man tattoo awesome now do you think you're gonna get a spider-man tattoo every year for the rest of your life now or what if they have good options of spider-man tattoos why not (laughs) sweet uh, so needless to say, we're Spidey fans. Uh-huh. Um, I also wanted to call out the release of Amazing Spider-Man 800. This is a milestone issue. came out pretty recently mm-hmm. and um, kind of cool. You know, no Marvel comic ever has hit 800 issues. So a nice little landmark there. Um, yeah, Spider-Man really made marvel comics right um today we're going to focus a lot on the movies but you know when you talk spider-man you really have to tip your cap to um, the comics yeah that's where it originated that's where stan lee and steve ditko really made a name for marvel comics and this whole superhero culture we live in um owes a lot to spider-man right oh yeah definitely yeah 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 um so i think like i said we'll focus more on the movies today uh but we have to acknowledge the importance of spider-man comics and i think inevitably we will mention comics uh today so Mm -hmm. um i definitely wanted to call that out amazing spider-man 800 uh, has come out. It's a huge milestone. You know, it's a huge achievement, no question. Uh, neither of us have read this particular issue, uh, but I certainly intend to read it, and um, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. In other Spider-Man news, a second trailer has dropped for the Spider-Man animated movie known as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, Perfirio? I saw the trailer. The effects look so crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, it looks cool. Uh, it looks really, really awesome. Now, again, we're going to talk about Spider-Man movies, and this is a Spider-Man movie. But today, we're going to focus on the live-action movies. What are your thoughts on an animated movie? Like this is kind of a new thing, right? Where um, not so much new in that, like, there have been cartoons and stuff, but, like, looks like this is getting the full-on, like, movie theater treatment oh, yeah, yeah. and everything. Uh-huh. Like, what are your thoughts about Spider-Man, like, up on the big screen in the movie theaters um, a- I, in an animated <laughs> version? Uh-huh. I think that's cool. That's awesome. I have no hate toward it or anything. Um, when I first got into Spider-Man, it was through the animated series in the 90s. Okay. So this is totally like my interest and everything oh nice um 
but I think like one thing you gotta take into consideration, like this is this Spider-Man film. It's not really gonna be Peter Parker starring it. It's gonna be Miles Morales. Good point. So that's definitely gonna be different for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, never mind it being a Spider-Man animated movie in the movie theaters, but I think more significantly is what you said. It's a Miles Morales centered story, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of people, comics fans in particular, are thirsting for Miles Morales in a movie, right? So yeah. this will be our kind of our first taste of that. So should be cool, mm-hmm. right? And I wanted to call out kind of what you mentioned. The, the look of this movie is amazing. You yeah. know, it looks super cool. And we'll talk about this a bit with our live action movie reviews, but I've always felt that Spider-Man in movies, in terms of the effects and the action scenes, I mean, there's something a little bit off. Like when we see Spider-Man swinging his, uh, when swinging through New York City, there's always a sense that it looks kind of like an animated movie or like a video game or yeah. something. It just doesn't look super real. So when I saw this Into the Spider-Verse trailer, this most recent one, I was really struck by how awesome it looks. You know, it kind of takes away that problem I had with the live-action movies. You know, yeah, it does look like an animated movie because guess what? It is an animated (laughs) movie. So that look of Spider-Man maybe not looking super realistic, swinging around New York City, that's okay with an animated movie. I'm glad it looks like that. That's the way it should look. So I'm pretty curious about this one. I'm definitely uh, wanting to check it out. And uh, I have some pretty decent expectations now, now that I've seen this (laughs) awesome trailer, you know? The same. I'm definitely interested in seeing how this movie's going to play. Did you ever read that comic, the Spider-Verse comic? I haven't. No, I've read some Miles Morales stuff and Uh plenty of Peter Parker stuff, but not the Spider-Verse stuff so much. Oh, it's really good. Check it out when... If you get a chance. <laughs> cool. Yeah, in the uh, the second trailer we've been talking about, not only do we see Peter Parker and Miles Morales, but we see Spider-Gwen, too. Uh-huh. So, yeah, a lot of potential here. So there's a lot of firsts and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we're talking Spider-Verse, again, I'm not super familiar with the series, but I do know that the... Uh, Spider-Man superpowers that we know are not limited to Peter Parker, right? Yeah. There are a number of characters who possess these powers, right? And I think that's going to be a big focal point of this movie and a big reason why I and a lot of people are, are pretty stoked about it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, end of the year. Watch out. This is definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, it's not MCU. It's not live action, but... Spider-Man fans, Marvel fans, I would keep an eye on this one. It looks pretty awesome. It looks great. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, before we begin the whole talking about the Spider-Man films, yeah. Um, let me ask you really fast. So what does Spider-Man mean to you? You know, he's a mm-hmm. really good character. Obviously, we're dedicating a whole episode to Spider-Man. Yeah. So what does Spider-Man mean to you? Great question. I'm glad you're kicking it off with that because Spider-Man is a very special character. You know, in a lot of ways, like I had mentioned before, Spider-Man made Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. And the influence is very apparent. A big reason why I love Marvel Comics is because the characters in this universe are very relatable. Mm -hmm. You know, their problems are the same problems that we ordinary people have. You know, Peter Parker is not rich you know he has to make rent he has to do chores he has to look out for his family you know this is all stuff that we as real people have to deal with right um so this isn't this is in stark contrast to dc comics you know um dc comics you know you got to tip your cap to them because they really came first like superman paved the way for spider-man and other characters but Mm -hmm. i would say that with dc characters they're not as relatable. You know, the 
superpowers of Superman are so off the scale that it, it is kind of hard for me to relate to someone like that, right? Um, DC Comics characters, for me, tend to be more aspirational, like they're more like mythological figures. Yeah. But Marvel Comics, it's really like, I am Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I am Captain America. I am Iron Man. I can totally identify with these characters. And specifically with Spider-Man, like he was the first. He, he really brought this to light. Well, I say first. Captain America did precede uh, Spider-Man. But this whole idea of a superhero that ordinary ordinary people can relate to i think it really started with spider-man yeah that's Uh that's what he means to me Mm -hmm. how about you no spider-man means everything to me like i you know like i said i have two tattoos of spider-man i'm rocking my spider-man shoes right now yes you are (laughs) Um, and you have a bracelet as well right i have a bracelet i've had i wear this every day for like the past five years awesome Uh uh-huh so Spider-Man means everything to me. Um, I first got into comics at the age of four, so in uh, 98, with watching the animated series of Spider-Man. And not only was I attracted to his costume, his awesome red and blue costume, but just that, like you said, I was able to relate to Spider-Man. Because Peter Parker, he's just like this scrawny, nerdy kid mm-hmm. who's always trying to do the right thing. And me being in elementary, I was always that like small kid who was always kind of picked on for being the small dude and everything. Mm-hmm. So um, I never let it get to me. I was like, oh, you know, Spider-Man could do it. So I could go on and just do what's right and just do watch out for myself and watch out for others. Mm-hmm. So he was always that role model that I could look up to. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's the flaws in characters like spider-man that we are drawn to yeah you know like we look at superman batman and wonder woman and their appeal is their strengths you know i think with marvel superheroes in particular spider-man it's really the flaws that really draw us in you know yeah it's like this socially awkward guy peter parker that we can really relate to you know and he is portrayed as this guy who's bullied. You know, we've been through that. People can relate to that sort of thing. So therein lies the appeal of Spider-Man and so many Marvel characters. Like, I think that that's something I certainly look at a lot. It's the flaws of these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's appealing to a lot of these Marvel superheroes. You know, yeah. what's wrong with them? <laughs> and uh, I can see myself in these characters because of their flaws, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, real quick before we start talking about the movies, uh, there is a Spider-Man-ish movie <laughs> in addition to Into the Into the Spider-Verse coming out this year, and that's Venom. Right? Oh, yeah, Venom. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about a little bit about this because Venom, uh, Venom is – in this Spider-Verse we're talking about, right? Uh Um, And yet, this movie is not in the MCU and not about Spider-Man. That's disappointing. Yeah, so I don't know. What what are your thoughts about that? What what is your feeling about this movie? Um, I think it it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie. It feels more like a movie they could have created, like some kind of original idea. Yeah. Because, I don't know, you can't really have Venom without having Spider-Man first. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like, you know, like when The Punisher came out, like it was a good thing that it was introduced in Daredevils who could get some snippet of who the character is about and then they made Mm -hmm. a spinoff of it. Yeah. It's like they should have like introduced Venom with Spider-Man and then have like its own spin-off. Yeah, that's a good point because the Punisher did originate from Spider-Man comics, but he mm-hmm. really became his own character, right? Yeah. That's different with Venom. Venom is really synonymous with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like Spider-Man. He has somewhat comparable powers. He is really intertwined with Spider-Man. And shoot, even his 
origin is based on the Spider-Man symbiote, right? So, yeah. like, yeah, you can't talk about Venom without talking about Spider-Man. So that's where I have a problem, too. Like, you know, this Venom movie, you can't help but think of Spider-Man when you think of Venom. Exactly, yeah. So, like, how are you going to have a Venom movie without Spider-Man, you know? So we'll see. I mean, there are rumors that Tom Holland may appear as Spider-Man at some point in this movie, which is cool, but it's clear to me. I mean, we've seen a couple of trailers now, and we know that this is not a Spider-Man-centric movie. No. Right? Uh So, yeah, I think we're kind of on the same wavelength here, right? It's sort of like... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Tom Hardy is a great actor, so uh, he might pull it off. Uh, but I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to get too excited about this one, right? Mm-hmm. But I still think the this Venom portrayal is a lot better than how they had for Spider-Man Three. Like, I'll talk about <laughs> that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're in agreement that the Topher Grace Venom was not too cool that wasn't the wisest decision <laughs> yeah um, okay well let's let's get into it let's, let's talk to business yeah down <laughs> to business spider-man solo movies that's what we're going to focus on so spider-man has appeared in all kinds of media over the years you know we talked a bit about the comics but you know tv animated versions you name it uh it would be a very long conversation to try to cover like all portrayal portrayals of spider-man so today i thought we'd focus on the movies specifically the solo movies you know spider-man did appear in civil war and infinity war let's focus on his solo movies today so let's get into it um there's not a lot so we can go into some detail there are six solo spider-man movies to date and similar to what we did with our infinity war wrap-up episode uh, we're gonna do a little ranking yeah so yeah. that episode we did a full ranking of all mcu movies to date there were a lot <laughs> uh, this is a little bit more manageable with the six um let's start with you Perfirio. so there have been six spider-man movies to date why don't we just go down the list uh your order for these six movies okay so i'm gonna say an order from the one i hated the most to the one i love the best okay uh, so spider-man 3 the worst yeah. movie ever. okay yep okay spider-man 3 then amazing spider-man 2 okay spider-man 1 spider-man homecoming amazing spider-man 1 and spider-man 2 okay cool so we'll just run down the list initially, uh-huh. and then we'll talk and then about we'll, it. Then we'll lay it out. <laughs> okay, so here's my list. Um, since you went from worst to first, I'll do the same. So my least favorite is also Spider-Man 3, uh, then Amazing Spider-Man 1, then Amazing Spider-Man 2, then Spider-Man Homecoming, then Spider-Man 2, and my favorite Spider-Man solo movie of all time is spider-man one okay so let's get into it so since you went first let's uh analyze your rankings a bit okay so i think this has to be said look so the whole genesis of this episode we're doing today is a comment you made previously on our last episode we talked about infinity war and it was just kind of a side comment about spider-man and you had mentioned to me that you preferred amazing spider-man one over the sam raimi toby Maguire spider-man one yeah. which shocked me so uh-huh. let's let's talk let's address that, start with that. <laughs> let's start with that uh-huh. so because uh you have ranked amazing spider-man one which is generally not looked upon all that great <laughs> among most people haters you, gonna hate <laughs> haters gonna hate okay uh so you ranked that number two on your list and you ranked spider-man one which a lot of people including myself regard as a classic superhero movie you ranked that number four so 
talk us through your thinking there. Okay. Well, the way I guess those two have been placed on this is like my likeness towards the actors who played Spider-Man. Okay. You know, we've had three. There's Andrew Garfield, uh, Tobey Maguire, and Tom Holland. Yes. Um, my favorite Spider-Man actor is Andrew Garfield. I think mm-hmm. he really had the spirit for of what it means to be Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, Tobey Maguire, he had the look and spirit of Peter Parker, but he didn't have... I don't know. He wasn't Spider-Man. He wasn't sold to me as Spider-Man. Mm. And Tom Holland, yeah, he's he's good. But by the time, I really hadn't really not that much room for any love for anyone okay. other um, to play Spider-Man. So I was not really blown away. I, I like him, but not blown away. And so Andrew Garfield, um, the way, you know, the, the film itself, I will admit, is not good. Amazing Spider-Man 1. Because... Lizard was not a good villain by no means, but I was just really impressed by the portrayal of Garfield's performance as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Okay. So I was like, you know, he's got the spirit down, he's got the acting down, he's got the humor and the looks, and that's why I said that I I was able to relate to Peter Parker as a kid, and I felt like I was able to relate as to Andrew Garfield's character. Okay. So that's why it's high up in my list. Okay. I mean, I maybe can relate to that. Um, So you talk about Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, how that really worked for you, right? So, yeah, I did get the sense that he sort of really tapped into that playfulness, Mm -hmm. right? When he got into that costume and he was fighting crime, he kind of let go of his anxiety and his angst and he just had fun yeah. being spider-man right mm-hmm. so I, I i i certainly got that and that was cool to see you know he was sort of this tortured guy as peter parker but as spider-man he had a lot of fun with it right mm-hmm. and yeah i mean that's part of the spider-man character peter parker has traditionally been really struggling with his life as this teenager in high school as a photographer as someone just trying to get through social situations right (laughs) um but once he has his superpowers and he gets into that costume he he kind of frees himself from that he totally has a different alter ego yeah so i would agree there that with Andrew Garfield, I think more than the other two actors, there was a starker contrast. When he became Spider-Man, you could tell he was having fun and he was enjoying it, right? And then Spider-Man 1, it was a decent movie, but I was just not sold on the acting, on especially Green Goblin. I was not sold on it. And that was mainly it. I think that was the big turnoff for me. Okay. Just, uh, and I think also that the effects were just, like, out of date. So I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a factor. You know, with time, technology improves, effects improve. Yeah. So I think there's no questioning that the Spider-Man effects we saw in Spider-Man Homecoming were superior to pretty much everything else on this list, right? It's just due to modern technology, right? Hmm. Um, And yeah, I would have to agree. Amazing Spider-Man 1 had superior uh, CGI to (laughs) Spider-Man. I I hesitated there because I wouldn't say that Amazing Spider-Man 1 had superior effects to Spider-Man 1 because, you know, no no matter what era era the movie is filmed, it's uh, the effects are really how you use them right like with cgi there's no question over time it will improve you you get a decent budget like all six of these movies had uh with time cgi will be superior Mm -hmm. um the effects though you know that is a little bit more nuanced like the filmmaker can make use of certain effects in certain ways i think sam raimi really used his effects 
in, in a great way, you know. Uh, so that's what I would say there. Mm-hmm. But um, just getting back to your list, I think, um, you know, what you're saying about Amazing Spider-Man, I kind of get in that Garfield was an effective Spider-Man. I, I would agree. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And one last factor uh, to why I guess I placed Amazing Spider-Man really high was like how you said earlier about like how much the it's these movies become true to the comics. Okay. You know, because in Amazing Spider-Man 1, um, Garfield, he makes his own webbing. Oh, and right. Then, hey, that's a then, good point. That's solid. Tobey Maguire, he <laughs> comes out of his body. Mm-hmm. Organic and, web yeah, shooters. That's a little weird. It's um, different. It's uh-huh. different. And plus, Gwen Stacy before Barry Jane. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, you're going there. <laughs> you're going saying. there. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, now I'm getting a better idea of uh-huh. why you made the choices you made because <laughs> um, that's starting to make a little more sense to uh-huh. me. Yeah. But you, you kind of flipped it around where you're like you you place Spider-Man one higher than Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. So, so what's your what's your thoughts? Yeah, so yeah, the big difference with our lists is our ranking of these two particular movies. Because everything else were solid, just those two. <laughs> yeah, everything else were kind of on the same uh, page, um, but these two particular movies, Amazing Spider-Man One and Spider-Man One, were were almost like flip flopped. I've got Spider-Man One number one. Amazing Spider-Man 1, I've got second to last. <laughs> so uh, for you, like we mentioned, Amazing Spider-Man 1, you got second. And Spider-Man 1, you got number four. So third from the worst. Uh, so, yeah, certainly. Uh, I mean, like I said, I'm starting to understand our differences here because right off the bat, I'm MJ over Gwen Stacy <laughs> all day. Come on, all day. Um, I mean, that's just a personal preference. Uh, but... Um, yeah, uh, that that's that's where I'm at there. Um, just a quick tangent: uh, the San Francisco Comic Con was just this past weekend. Yeah. I did attend on Saturday. Um, we'll probably talk about the con more in a future episode uh, because Rainier and I both attended. We'll probably talk about it more. Mm-hmm. But I did want to call out this panel I went to with Jerry Conway the co-creator of The Punisher and a longtime Spider-Man writer. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the comic where Gwen Stacy dies. Mm-hmm. So this is relevant to what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So he talked about that issue and um, the response. Like a lot of people were angry. They were like, I can't believe you killed yeah. Gwen, Sp- Gwen Stacy. How dare you? That sort of thing. Um and his thoughts were interesting because his thought was Gwen Stacy was like this kind of aspirational figure. Like we talked about how the DC heroes are aspirational, that like yeah. they're flawless in a way. So that's kind of Gwen Stacy, right? Um, with MJ, he talked about MJ like being the girl, maybe you don't want to marry, but you want to date her. So like Gwen Stacy's like this perfect blonde girl mm. that you want to marry and MJ is like this hot redhead who you just want to date for a bit. So to me it's like that's more interesting. It's, like it's more the like, MJ character uh-huh. like, who, who's she's kind of had a, a like a, a rough life and she's kind of struggling the way Peter Parker struggles through life, right? Uh-huh. Um so I kind of like that. She's it, it grounds her a little more, you know. So that's why I'm team MJ <laughs> in this conversation. But going off that, did you like Kristen Dunst's? Wait, that is that the right character? Yeah, Kristen Dunst's uh, yeah. per- performance as MJ. In yeah. The, really? Yeah. Well, first of all, her name is Kirsten Dunst. Let's get that straight. Okay. <laughs> I, I, uh-huh. And I had a crush on Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man 1 when I first saw this movie. So let, let that may, be known. Um, look, it isn't the greatest performance in the world. I'll be fir- first to uh, say that. Um, but, uh, dude, she, she captured, captured the character. Like I said, you know, she's the girl next door. 
Mm-hmm. And um, there is a certain relatability to her. You know, she has a rough family life, and um, she has this sort of soulmate connection to Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. Like, they grew up next door to each other. They both have this kind of rough family life, and um, they were just kind of meant for each other. And I thought the movies, at least Spider-Man and 1 and 2, captured that. And um, her performance, Kirsten Dunst's performance, was, I think, good enough to sort of capture that. That's what I'll say there. Mm-hmm. Better than Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, that's a whole that's a whole another thing, right? Um, yeah, let, let's we'll talk about Homecoming in a bit, I think. But uh, before we get off of of these two particular movies, um, I wanted to get back to the. Um, Garfield performance because Mm -hmm. I think there's no question that Garfield as Spider-Man worked. He had the playfulness. He also had the look. I've mentioned this before, but he looked almost exactly like the original Steve Ditko drawn Mm Spider-Man. Spider-Man, when he was initially created, was lean. He was thin. Mm -hmm. You know, he was this sort of uh, mysterious, thin, shadowy figure, you know, um, that's Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Andrew Garfield is uh, a pretty thin guy. And dude, like when he donned the Spider-Man costume, I'm like, shit, this looks exactly like the Ditko Spider-Man. I, I really dug that. Um, so again, no question, Garfield captured uh, Spider-Man. Now, where I will completely uh, veer off from what you're talking about, I think he totally didn't work as Peter Parker. <laughs> like, not at all. Like, now again, uh, I want to go back to the original Spider-Man comics. It's a little bit narrow to talk about Spider-Man just as the original Stanley Steve, Steve Ditko creation. Mm-hmm. But I got to be honest, like that's where the majority of my Spider-Man reading has come from and the storylines that I love the most for Spider-Man comics. It's the original stuff. Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man. Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, I'm going to up to like 30 now. Um, that's Spider-Man to me, right? So that Spider-Man... And there have been a lot of iterations over the years between cartoons, movies, and comics. But again, that's the Spider-Man I know and love. That Spider-Man in particular, that Peter Parker, he is anxiety-ridden. He is socially awkward. Mm-hmm. He, he has problems just interacting with other human beings, right? Mm-hmm. He, 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 he is, he's racked with anxiety right so when i see the andrew garfield peter parker he's just too cool for me he he, he looks <laughs> cool like he, he's got these cool outfits on he's a skateboarder and like he's good looking you know like the spider-man in the comics again the original comics peter parker is not good looking he's not the guy girls like he's not popular He's just kind of weird looking. He has these huge glasses. He's, he can barely talk to people, right? So, I mean, just the Garfield portrayal. I know they kind of did this on purpose. They were going for something a little different. But it is such a polar opposite from the Peter Parker that I believe to be Spider-Man that I, I just I had a huge problem there. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hang. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that, you know? Uh, so that's where I'm at. And... Uh, just on the flip side, that's a big reason why Tobey Maguire really worked for me because he did capture that. Like, he was really socially awkward. He had problems talking to people. Like, there were moments in Spider-Man 1 and 2 where someone asks him a question. He, he can't even talk. He, he just, just, he, he's, he's just like He just has this blank look on his face, you know? Um, I'm an introvert. I grew up shy, and I could totally relate to that shit. Like, people talking to me in high school, like, sometimes I would just be like, nothing would come (laughs) out of my mouth. Like, so I love that Peter Parker. 
very much because I was that Peter Parker, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think Tobey Maguire captured that, and Andrew Garfield did not. I would say, too, that Tom Holland did not. Tom Holland is a whole nother Peter Parker altogether. We yeah. can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, any other thoughts about the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield films or their portrayals? Mm, other than that, I mean, not necessarily anything about the characters itself, but just like other factors, like the villains they chose and the storylines they ran with. Yeah. Um, but I'm, we could, I feel like we could keep talking about that. Yeah. Actually, that's a good point, the villains, because we've talked about this before. Like, for a superhero movie to be great, you really have to have a great villain. Yeah. Right. Um, you mentioned some shortcomings with the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin, mm -hmm. Spider-Man 1. Um, I didn't have a problem with them so much, but I'll be first to admit that the Alfred Molina Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2 was far superior. It was awesome. Dude, he made that movie. Uh -huh. He made that movie, uh -huh. yeah. It was a really good movie. Like, you, you could really also, like, relate to what he was going through. Like, he wasn't, like... Like, oh, I want to take over the world kind of thing. Like, he went through heartbreak, and that's how what led him to become, like, kind of a destructive guy. Like, he had, like, a personal agenda against Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, we both rank Spider-Man 2 very high, and in general, it is highly regarded uh, with comic book movies. And um, just furthering the points we've been making, Spider-Man 2, I think, really captured the comic book experience. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, I just watched it last night, you know, to get a bit of a refresher. Yeah. And, you know, like, we've talked about how great the MCU has been. You know, they really capture the feel of the comic books. Um, but they are adaptations. So I think a thing that Kevin Feige has done really well with MCU is taking comic book source material and translating it to the big screen right he's made it work in movies right um with spider-man 2 spider-man 1 and 2 really i would argue like sam raimi he took a different approach he almost took the comic book source material and he didn't really adapt it for movies he almost made his movies again one and two not three <laughs> he made those movies feel like a comic book you yeah. know it's rare you know it's it's hard to make that work like feige has been specific about like well we want to stay true to the comics but you can't just take a comic book and slap it on the big screen that's just not going to work it's a different medium and you have to make it work as a movie before making it making it work as a comic book adaptation. Mm -hmm. Where Raimi, what he did was phenomenal because he 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 retained all the comic book roots, you know. Like so the dialogue in Spider-Man 2, I noticed this last night. The dialogue is, you know, a little goofy. Like they talk in a way that real people don't talk. You know, like, um, there's that moment where um, Doc Ock does that demonstration that goes awry, yeah. stuff blows up, and um, Harry Osborn is really, like, he's super disappointed. Like, this was supposed to make him. He was supposed to get fame and fortune off of Doc Ock working with Oscorp, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So he's super disappointed, and he says, I'm ruined! Yeah. It's such a, like, a like an old school comic book line, you know, like no one really says that. And, and you could argue that in like modern filmmaking, that sort of line is just cheesy, you know, like it, you could, you could say that without any dialogue, you could have a shot of James Franco just like with his head in his hands uh -huh. and that could speak volumes. Right. Instead he says, I'm ruined. You know, it's kind of cheesy, but it really is true to, the source material, yeah. right? Like I've, like I said, I've read these original Spider-Man books. That's how Stan Lee wrote Spider-Man. You, you see this stuff. He writes stuff like that. He says, "I'm ruined." And also, there's that moment where Doc Ock discovers that his wife is dead, 
and he's basically ruined his career and he's just this recluse you know um he's with his his tentacles and he's like in that warehouse Mm -hmm. like uh, on the on the on the waterfront and he goes no (laughs) you know another pretty cheesy moment it really really reminded me of of darth vader in episode three you know what i'm talking about Uh it reminded me of that but again i would say it's totally something that stanley would write in the original spider-man stories and what could have been super cheesy i think sam raimi really made it work you know like he brought the comic book experience to the big screen Mm -hmm. it's rare like i look in the history of superhero movies it's rare that that has been done like you could argue i would argue the first tim burton batman kind of captured that and i would argue that raimi's spider-man one and two captured that I think that's it. Like those three movies, I don't think there really has been another movie that has really captured the comic book reading experience like that. Yeah. You know? Mm. Uh, So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. You know, Um, a rare thing and something that really like um, came to mind when I was watching Spider-Man 2 last night. Mm -hmm. And then what about Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man 1? Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Real quick side note, I noticed that the lizard character does appear in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. Dr. What... Kurt Connors uh-huh. is in Spider-Man 2. He never shows up as the lizard, but that character is in it. Oh, really? He is, he is. Oh. Like, um, Peter Parker is kind of struggling with his, his schoolwork, and his professor kind of calls him out on it. Um, that professor is Dr. Kurt oh, Connors, the lizard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the lizard does not play prominently in Spider-Man 2, but like you mentioned, he does play prominently in Amazing Spider-Man 1. He mm. is the, the main villain of that yeah. movie. And guess what? I hated <laughs> this villain. Oh, my God. It, it is so, so terrible to me. So I mentioned before about about uh, CGI being kind of in a good place uh-huh. as time goes on. Not for this. <laughs> Not for this. Like, well, I- I'll go back to like how you use it. Like, effects can be superior in an older movie because of how the effects are used. I would totally call out Amazing Spider-Man One for this because the lizard to me looked lame. Like it didn't work. It, it it just looked corny, man. It looked like kind of like what I was saying before. It looked like it belonged in in an animated movie or a video game. It didn't look like it fit in with a live action movie. I kind of disagree. Like, okay, I go think because you know, watching and reading comic books of Spider Man, um, you know, you have all these villains that are just like straight out of a comic book like mm-hmm. you have mysterio craven chameleon and so lizard totally fits i feel like in that spider-man sense like it's just like you said it's really corny and <laughs> you're just like okay this is a typical spider-man versus villain kind of mm-hmm. scenario okay like he wasn't impactful by any means like compared to like doc ock um but he was still it was it was a fun and entertaining battle between the two okay i can sort of understand where you're coming from sort of (laughs) (laughs) um but on that same note yeah you mentioned doc hawk i think the dr octopus portrayal in spider-man 2 is probably the best portrayal of any spider-man villain in any spider-man movie right Yeah. yeah like um again i didn't have a huge problem with willem dafoe in spider-man 1 like I did with the lizard in Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, the Doc Ock character is far superior to Green Goblin in Spider-Man yeah. 1. Mm-hmm. Like, you talked about the organic web shooters that Tobey Maguire has. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'll let that slide. <laughs> but the Green Goblin in Spider-Man 1 was nothing like the comics Green yeah. Goblin, you mm-hmm. know? He was in this 
suit of armor. Like, the whole reason why Green Goblin is cool in the comics is because he's super creepy. It's just this green dude, uh-huh. you know? It's very kind of scary and disturbing looking. Mm-hmm. Um, they strayed from that entirely in mm-hmm. Spider-Man 1. The Green Goblin became this... Uh, he was almost like Iron Man, you know, he's in this like yeah. suit of armor and he could fly around and stuff and he had this technology. Um, didn't really capture the comics Green Goblin to me. Mm. On the flip side, Doc Ock and Spider-Man 2 really was the Doc Ock from the comics, yeah. you know. Um, I, I thought he captured it well, Alfred Molina. And the Spider-Man versus Doc Ock battles in Spider-Man 2 were great, you know? They were phenomenal. Oh, so great, especially <laughs> considering the context of, you know, this movie was made like 14 years ago or so. Um, the battle scenes were riveting, you mm-hmm. know, to this day. So uh, pretty cool. What about the Green Goblin Amazing Spider-Man 2? Oh, okay. Oh, boy. Dane DeHaan. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know there has been a lot of hate for Dane DeHaan as Green Goblin in Amazing 2. Um, look, I mean, it wasn't a great performance, I'll be <laughs> the first to admit, but I don't think it was terrible. Um, they were going for a new thing. They were going for a young Green Goblin, like a, like a kind of a hipster Green Goblin. Um, it was okay. It was okay. Like... Uh-huh. Uh, Look, you know, I was okay with the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin, and that did stray a lot from the comics, like I mentioned. So I think with that perspective, um, I was and have been for a while kind of open to different Green Goblin portrayals. So maybe that was the mindset there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was kind of okay with it. And look, with Amazing Spider-Man 2, the bar was really low. (laughs) Like, I didn't like the first one at all, and... I had heard a lot of terrible stuff about Amazing Spider-Man 2. I didn't see it in the theaters. I heard all this terrible stuff, so I saw it subsequently on TV. Um, my expectations were so low that I actually ended up kind of liking it because <laughs> I didn't have any expectations, and I kind of just had some fun with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I liked his outfit. I thought it was really creepy. Um, okay. I wish he had the humor, like how he did in the comics and everything. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was it was cool, interesting, ke- creepy, and different. It was different, and that that's maybe ultimately why yeah. I was okay with it. It, it was be- a different portrayal. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Electro's performance in Spider Man Amazing Spider Man Two, that was horrible. That was horrible. It's hard to get behind. I am going to be the first person to admit that was horrible. Yeah. It, I mean. Look, I, I probably was in a pretty good state of mind when I, when I saw that movie because I didn't have a terrible reaction. But let's be honest. The Jamie Foxx portrayal of Electro in, in Amazing Spider-Man 2 was not great. It was not faithful to the comics. Mm-mm. It was pretty much like a dud of a performance. Like no one really cared for him. Yeah, no one really cared for him. How can you really care about this character? Um, just didn't really work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Jamie Foxx is a very talented actor. Uh, so, like, I think a lot of people were expecting more here. His look was weird, too, you know. Obviously, you're not going to have a straight-from-the-comics adaptation of Electro. Like, the Electro in the comics is pretty weird-looking. He's got, <laughs> like, this yellow like electricity-looking mask on. Yeah. Okay, you're not going to have that. But what they did with him was so different and just out there that, uh, I don't know. It, didn't it just really work. didn't work out. just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so let's get into the latest Spider-Man, Tom Holland. Uh, we haven't talked much about Homecoming yet. So we both ranked Homecoming number three in our list, uh-huh. um, which is not bad. And I think both of our both of us are in agreement that we like the movie. Um, what are your thoughts about Spider-Man: Homecoming? I liked Homecoming, um, but you know, like I said earlier, that by the time it came out, it was just so hard to have room for any love for a new Spider-Man or have any expectations for something new, something that hadn't already been done. Like yeah, like even though we both had disagreements about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. 
we both felt like there was some satisfaction between how the two portrayed the characters. So it was like, okay, what's Tom Holland going to bring new that hasn't already been done before? Yeah. And the answer is not really anything. <laughs> but he still did good. He still did good. So yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, good job. But it's not like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a popular opinion. Uh-huh. But Homecoming, the Vulture, he, it was good. Like, you know, like we said in our last podcast about Homecoming, that the Vulture was one of the best villains that I've seen in the Marvel MCU movies. Agreed. Yeah, Mar- Michael Keaton as a Vulture in Homecoming is great. Mm-hmm. You know, he was fantastic. You talked about the uh, relatability of characters. Certainly, he is. Yeah, Tom, you know? Tom Holland had that. And then there was just other stuff that I feel like we both agree that wasn't true. The comics, like the bully and MJ <laughs> and a young yeah. Aunt May. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's let's get into that into that a bit. So you mentioned how Tom Holland was, you know, good, adequate, you know, yeah. not mind blowing. But you also you also mentioned how he didn't bring anything new to the character. I thought he kind of did. You know, like uh-huh. it was a very different Spider Man than we've seen before with Tobey Maguire and. Andrew Garfield, you know, he was... Younger looking? Very young. I mean, that stood out. I mean, we knew this from Civil War. We all uh-huh. saw the new Spider-Man. And I think a lot of people were like, whoa, this guy looks really young, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and clearly they're going for Spider-Man as a kid superhero. You know, that's the direction they've been going with. Um, immediately I was like, Oh, I don't know. This uh-huh. is weird to me, you know, which is ironic because, uh, you know, the original Spider-Man was young. It, yeah, was young. He is a teenager, you know. Uh, so it was interesting that I had like those initial problems. Ultimately, I don't think I have those problems so much. Um, but, you know, real quick on like the differences, I think. Tom Holland did bring a kind of refreshing new Spider-Man to the world. You know, um, I mentioned how the Spider-Man that I know and love, the original Spider-Man, is like super anxiety-ridden. He has no friends. He's lonely. He's a social outcast. Um, that all said, Tom Holland was none of these things. And I, I struggled with that. Like, when I first saw Homecoming, I'm like, oh, dude, this is, I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. I've kind of learned to love it more over time. Um, but, yeah, it's a very different Peter Parker. Dude, Tom Holland Peter Parker is a happy-go-lucky kid. Yeah. He has a really good friend in Ned. He's his best friend. They hang out. They build Lego Death Stars together, you know? I see those guys, and I'm like, he doesn't have a loneliness problem because he's got a best friend. Aunt May is close to him, and they have a very good relationship. This guy's not lonely. Uh, This guy has fun in his life. Even not a Spider-Man, he has fun, you know? Um, I'll also say that uh, while he has fun... He does have some of the problems that traditionally Peter Parker has. He has, um, like, this girl he likes who is sort of unattainable, right? And he's kind of dorky, and um, people bully him. You know, Flash bullies him a bit. Um, So there is that, but, like, his life seems so much better than the Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker life, right? Like the, the Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, it seems like he's just miserable. He's having, even after he gets his superpowers, it's almost worse. Like he has all these responsibilities and everything. Um, the Tom Holland, Peter Parker, he has fun. You know, he has a good time. Right? I, think, I think what we said in a previous episode was one thing we both hated from Homecoming is how much, Spider-Man kind of relied on Iron Man. Yeah. For mm-hmm. for just kind of like guidance. 
That's a great or point. And approval. That's a great point. Yeah, when I was watching Spider-Man 2 last night, the big question for me was, I know in the theaters when I initially saw Spider-Man 2, I loved it. And with Homecoming, not so much, right? So I thought, oh, over time, I can kind of see them sort of getting closer. Like Spider-Man 2 has been aging a bit for me, whereas Homecoming, I'm sort of learning to uh-huh. appreciate it more. So will there be a point where they like flip-flop? <laughs> uh-huh. I kind of feel like no for that very reason that Iron Man plays so prominent in Homecoming. You know, Spider-Man Homecoming is not 100% a Spider-Man solo movie. It's like Spider-Man and Iron Man. It's like a team-up, you know. Like this list we've compiled, it is a Spider-Man solo list. So Spider-Man should undoubtedly be the central dude in all of these movies. And he is, but with Homecoming, Iron Man is so significant that it's a little annoying, right? It's it's not like Iron Man has not been a huge part of the MCU to date. You know, he's had his own trilogy. He's been a huge part of the Avengers movies. Yeah, Um, Dude, he appeared in Civil War. He was a huge part of Civil War, you you know? So for him to again, like, be prominent in Spider-Man Homecoming, like, that's kind of annoying, right? Such a turnoff. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that that just, you know, with Homecoming over time, I've kind of been liking it more and more, except for that fact. That just, that still, like, bugs me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess the last movie that we really haven't talked about or touched on is Spider-Man 3. Yeah, sure. Let's let's talk about it, you know? Uh-huh. Like To be honest, I I mean, we could say stuff, but I don't remember much. I've only seen it once. When it first came out, I've never dared watch it again. Same here. <laughs> it's that bad. Like, it's you know, you, bad. you do not want to revisit it. Yeah. Um so, okay. I almost liken this movie to um, the Batman sequels of the 90s. So I really do love the first Tim Burton Batman. I mentioned how oh. it was really faithful and it captured the spirit of comic books, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that series really, really went off the rails. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Batman Returns. And, um, you know, by the time they got to the fourth one, uh, Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. it was just garbage, you know, <laughs> just terrible. And I feel like Spider-Man 3 really was kind of in line with that. Yeah. They did kind of a similar thing where they brought out, like, many villains and um, they sort of, like, it didn't was... care about the story and just went for effects and stuff. Um, and as a result... It was just near unwatchable. It was, yeah, pretty bad. It was the Sandman I had no care for. Um, Venom was just, like you said, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the spirit of Venom. Yeah. Um, and the second Green Goblin I had no care for either. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, the whole time I was like, these all these three villains are really annoying. It kind of boggles the mind. Because at this point, Spider-Man 1 and 2 had come out, huge hits, highly regarded. And these Batman movies I mentioned had come out. Yeah. Batman and Robin came out, and people hated that movie. And everyone knew that there were too many supervillains in the movie, right? They mm-hmm. really sort of crowbarred in Poison Ivy and Bane and Mr. Freeze. So... Why in the hell did they sort of follow that formula with Spider-Man 3? With Spider-Man 1 and 2, there were one focal there, there was one focal supervillain in each of those movies. Why not continue that? You know, with Spider-Man 3, we just talked about it. Three very forgettable villains, Venom, the New Green Goblin, and Sandman. Why not just continue with what worked? Pick one of those three yeah. and make them the villain. Mm-hmm. 
focus on them. And um, I think that would have been a much better way to go. You know, um, I would go even further to say just get Green Goblin <laughs> out of there because, I mean, we saw Green Goblin in the first movie. You had some problems. I didn't have so much of a problem, but we've been there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would say that James Franco in this entire trilogy. Not the best choice. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> dude, I wanted to call this out. Like, James Franco is a great actor, you mm-hmm. know. Um, he was great in The Disaster Artist, 127 Hours, all the way back to, like, Freaks and Geeks. I'm a huge fan of his work. Pineapple Express, hilarious, you know. <laughs> but James Franco as Harry Osborn, uh, I, I don't think so. You know, uh, that I kind of solidified that when I watched Spider-Man 2 last night. His line reads are little rough (laughs) you know like i said um the dialogue is very comic booky you know like stan lee like 60s comic books you know um and it's hard to deliver those lines alfred molina was pretty genius he he was given these lines of dialogue you know arguably corny and he really made it work like Mm -hmm. he really felt for doc ock um, Toby Maguire, I thought was good. Kirsten Dunst, acceptable, I would say. Uh, Franco stood out like a sore thumb a bit, though. Like he, his reads were like, whoa. Like I mentioned that line when he when he goes, "I'm ruined." You know, it's just oh, like the, it just hurt hearing that. Uh, so not great. And then yeah, Spider Man Three to have him back in the. Uh, Green Goblin role with two other main villains, like, ugh, no. like not good. Mm-hmm. And what a shame, you know. The Venom character is so awesome, and um, it just got tarnished. Yeah, that they, they really blew it there. You know, it's it's hard to fault Topher Grace too much because he had to share the screen with two other supervillains, and um, just all the way around, this movie just kind of didn't work. Uh, but let's be honest, he wasn't great. Gr- he wasn't great as Eddie Brock. And, um, you know, if there's anything to look forward to in this new Venom movie is to maybe sort of, like, cleanse the palate and have us get over that yeah. past Venom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there is that. Okay. Um, yeah, any last thoughts about uh, Spider-Man and the movies, our list here? Uh-huh. Um, just, I guess, like, one final question. Like, who would you want to see next? Like, which villain would you want to see in the next Spider-Man? Oh, Who's well... Someone to choose from. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Um, there has been some news about, about the Homecoming follow-up, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Supposedly, Jake Gyllenhaal has been announced as Mysterio. Mysterio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mysterio absolutely is a villain that I've been waiting to see Mm -hmm. in a Spider-Man movie. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Gyllenhaal, I think, could be good. Mm -hmm. No question. Um, So I'm kind of getting what I want because um, if you were to name one Spider-Man villain we haven't seen yet, that I would want to see in a new movie, it's Mysterio. Mysterio. And to say that Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, is is a good choice, I'm pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Do you know Myst- <coughs> Mysterio is actually going to be in Amazing Spider-Man 3? I did not know that. Uh, Sinister 6. Like, oh, right, right, uh, right. Yeah, if you like look at the credits, they were like hinting at all like the Sinister 6 villains. There's going to be um, Doc Ock, Rhino... Uh, Green Goblin, Mysterio, Craven, and uh, I think, I think uh, Black Cat might have been one, I think too. It could have been Black Cat because her character existed in, in Amazing Spider-Man 2. That's right. That's uh. right. I had mentioned before how I'm a Felicity Jones fan. Uh-huh. Felicity Jones did play Felicia Hardy, a.k.a. the Black Cat, yeah. in Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was a very minor role. Kind of like that Kirk Connors role I mentioned in Spider-Man 2. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, they were definitely... That she existed. Acknowledged her existence, yes. Yeah. But also were kind of building up toward her being part of the Sinister Six, I think. Mm. Yeah. 
so yeah, no, I'm stoked about Mysterio. Um, Craven the Hunter has always intrigued me as a Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. Super hard to pull off in a movie, uh, in a movie adaptation, I think, mm-hmm. because they would obviously have to change his costume Mm -hmm. in a big way but i think that could work i I would love to see craven in a spider-man movie oh and then plus they also hinted that well not they didn't hint it but they acknowledged scorpion exists in homecoming oh yeah yeah i think he has basically been confirmed to be a villain in in the homecoming follow-up as well right um so we'll see I hope they don't go with the, they don't go overboard <laughs> with the villains like we've <laughs> like, been talking like, about. <laughs> um, but shoot, if you have uh, Gyllenhaal as Mysterio as the main villain in the Homecoming follow-up, sign me up, dude. That'd I'm there. <laughs> I am there. That'll be fun. Something new. Cool. All right. And with that, we yeah. can wrap up the episode. This is farewell from Henry and Porfirio.